who's discovered that if you tell someone an inspiring story and then you scan their brain on an fMRI machine, you're going to see three different areas light up the the midbrain, which isn't as interesting um, the uh, the insula, which is actually two parts of your brain, one on the left, one on the right, that's responsible for your gut function. That's why you get that gut feeling when you hear an inspiring story or a traumatic story. You might even get that sort of tingling sensation. That's because it's actually lighting up the part of your brain that controls your gut function. Mm. And then more interesting, um, it, uh, it lights up the medulla, which is the oldest part of your brain. That's a part of your brain responsible for such mundane tasks as keeping you alive, you know, keeping you breathing when you're sleeping, keeping your blood pressure going, keeping your heart beating. If you take a hit to that part of the brain, they can't even keep you alive on life support for more than 15 minutes if it's a big enough hit. They say that life is full of opportunities, right? So why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day? I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Welcome, everyone, to our show today. We have a very special guest for you, and I'm excited for him to share his story because we, well, let me just tell you a little bit about him and why I'm excited to hear his story. So we have Rich Curtis here with us today, and Rich Rich has always been a guide for a decade as a raft and backpacking guide, and now as a real estate entrepreneur, best-selling author, and success coach. Rich guides coaches, writers, and speakers to help entrepreneurs, CEOs, adventurers, and go-getters rewrite their story, get unstuck, and live their dreams. He's a passionate student of neuroscience, positive psychology, and behavioral psychology. Rich believes in a world where people are investing in a process of being better tomorrow than they are today. His life's work includes his book, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, has been about helping people get there outside of work. Rich is a dedicated father of two, husband, traveler, and outdoor adventurer. Rick, thank you for being on the show today. (laughs) I appreciate you um, coming here today and sharing with us a little bit about your story because you share how we as entrepreneurs and those that are listening as well, that maybe you're not an entrepreneur, but maybe you want to be, and you want to try to perfect your story. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. All right. Well, Rich, tell us um, a little bit more about you and how did you come about uh, figuring this all out? Yeah, I I didn't set out to uh, be a personal development author. (laughs) That that wasn't ever in my uh, five or 10 or 20 year plan even. Um, But, you know, in in 2013, about 41 days before the birth of my first child, uh, my mom passed away uh, and and she passed away suddenly and, and very unexpectedly. 
And for me, that created um, a, a series of bad stories led to one big bad story that really hijacked my life for almost two years. Um, it plunged me into two years of suffering, depression, um, anger, anxiety, all of it. I, I was really going through it for about two years. And, and, and I didn't really know it. And I didn't really know why. And then one day I had this major epiphany. I think some people have their epiphany, like, you know, backpacking or on the slopes of the Andes, looking at the stars, you know, or, or maybe with a religious leader. Mine was uh, screaming at my brother over the telephone, circling Costco in the parking lot one day. Uh, I'm yelling into the phone at my older brother. And I, I, I just blurted out, look, I'm failing you. I'm failing Anne. That's my wife. And we failed mom. We just stood there and watched her die. She fought for all five of us every day of her life. I'm the youngest of five boys. Uh, and we didn't fight for her. We just stood there and watched her die. And I hit the brakes on the truck. I didn't know a security guard had been chasing me. So he almost hit me with his golf cart. I nailed the brakes on the truck. I'm stopped in the middle of the Costco parking lot. I dropped the phone and I can't believe this story that just flew out of my mouth. I had never in the two years uh, since my mom's death actively engaged with the idea that I had failed her in any way. Nobody in my family had ever suggested that. My wife had never suggested that. Even, you know, two in the morning on the couch with a whiskey feeling sorry for myself. I had never, ever had that thought. And there it was the mother of all bad stories that have been hijacking my life, causing me you know, to feel depressed and angry and to suffer. And I didn't even know it was there. So that moment made me ask a couple of really important questions. One was, uh, is this story true? And then the other one was, even if it's true, is it serving me? Is this doing anything good for me, even if this story is true? And the answer to both of those was, no, it wasn't the truth. Um, and it's definitely not serving me. Um, so that launched me into a two-year deep dive into the, the, the you know, science of story and the science of happiness. And I eventually had to go through a process, a process that I teach now that I call the story evolution process, to rewrite that story. And I had to go back and look at the day my mom died and say, well, at four in the morning, I happened to be staying at their home you know, to visit them the, the morning she died, luckily. And at four in the morning, uh, they took her out of the house to the hospital. And my dad asked me to bring the DNR order down to the hospital, which is, if you don't know, that's do not resuscitate. That means um, if we're sure this is only going one way today at the hospital, then you got to stop working on me and let the process happen. Uh, and my background as a guide, I know what that document means, <laughs> you know, uh, and I didn't want to hand it over, but I brought it to the hospital. I asked her verbally to rescind it and she wouldn't. And I handed it over to the doctors, even though I, I didn't really like what that meant for the day. My mom was deeply religious. I'm not particularly, uh, but we got the, the priest out to do the final Catholic sacrament for her um, so she could feel comfortable, you know, in her process. Um, one of my brothers, five boys, one of my brothers was asleep in his apartment and he had his phone turned off. We couldn't get to him. So I sent a friend over there to break into his secure apartment building in San Francisco, wake him up and get him to the hospital before my mom died. So she could have all five of her boys there. Mm -hmm. We eventually reached out to cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody who loved her. And there were 18 people in the room. Each of them had a hand or, you know, on her in some way at the moment of her death. Um, you know, towards the end, my dad couldn't get in the hospital bed with her. And so, and I couldn't figure out the railing. So I got the nurse to get the, the railing down so he could get into the bed and hold her. Um, she had an oxygen mask on her face. And my dad said, that's freaking her out. And I said, and I said, well, what's this doing? I asked the nurse, what's this doing for her? She said, well, it'll prolong her life, maybe 10 minutes. I said, well, get, get that mask off her face. And so in the end, looking at that day, you could definitely say we just stood there and watched her die. That's functionally true. But I was able to rewrite that story into I fought for my mom in every way I could while respecting her right to die her way. Mm -hmm. So both those stories are true. We, we just stood there and watched her die. We didn't fight for mom. And I fought for my mom in every way I could while respecting her right to die her way. You, you can make an argument that both of those are true. One of those was destroying my life. And one of those served me and set me free and then set me on a path of being able to 
identify all the bad stories in my life, rewrite them and upcycle sort of all my results, break through any barrier that I'm facing. Uh, because if you've got a problem going on in your life, you've got a story about it and it's likely a bad story and you likely don't even know it's there. So, um, you know, the, the, the truth of the story doesn't even really matter. The most important question is, is this story serving me? Mm, wow. Wow. First of all, that's a amazing story. And for you to be able to really find out that that was your the whole reason that you were depressed and not feeling good and to be able to go back and rewrite that story is just fascinating and thank goodness you you recognize that so tell us now how what what happened like after that fact did you just go back and start kind of you know why did i say that and and just try to figure all that out i'm just curious what was happening in your mind at that time yeah, I, I am wired, I think, from the, the guiding days, I'm wired to believe there's always a solution, you know, right, when you take people into the wilderness, and things go wrong, you can't just sit back and be like, well, that sucks, I guess we're all gonna die, you got to keep pushing, you got to figure out a solution. And so uh, I think that aided me in this process, when when I realized this is what's causing me to suffer, I realized, you know, I just naturally think there's got to be a solution. So I, I did two years of research into what is what happiness really is, how do you achieve happiness, what creates happiness, and also into story, how does story affect us? And that some of that research is really compelling. There's a woman, uh, Mary Helen Imerdino Yang, a brilliant neuroscience uh, researcher in the field of education, who has discovered that if you tell someone an inspiring story, and then you scan their brain on an fMRI machine, you're going to see three different areas light up the, the midbrain, which isn't as interesting um, the, uh, the insula, which is actually two parts of your brain, one on the left, one on the right, that's responsible for your gut function. That's why you get that gut feeling when you hear an inspiring story or a traumatic story. You might even get that sort of tingling sensation. That's because it's actually lighting up the part of your brain that controls your gut function. Mm -hmm. And then more interesting, um, it, uh, it lights up the medulla, which is the oldest part of your brain. That's a part of your brain responsible for such mundane tasks as keeping you alive, you know, keeping you breathing when you're sleeping, keeping your blood pressure going, keeping your heart beating. If you take a hit to that part of the brain, they can't even keep you alive on life support for more than 15 minutes if it's a big enough hit. That's how important this part of your brain is. Mm -hmm. So you'd think evolutionarily, we as humans would have built like an impenetrable firewall around that, right? That's, that's the most important thing going on up there. But instead, all I have to do is tell you that story about my mom or someone else tell you an inspiring story in their life, and we light it up. And that means two things. It's getting electricity and it's getting blood flow, which means you just got changed at the neural level, at the biological survival center of your brain by a story. So that's wow. how, how intimately linked our stories are with our biology and with our survival. So if you think you can hear an inspiring story and that lights up the survival center of your brain, think of how much damage you're doing to yourself with all the bad stories we tell ourselves, you know, and we, we carry around these stories. You know, I tell my, my, my clients, look, if you wouldn't stand up on a coffee table at a cocktail party and yell this story to the entire room, then it's a bad story. Right. And all the stories we carry around about ourselves, I'm fat, I'm ugly. I'll never achieve anything. I'll never be successful. I'm not good enough. All of those things, those things you actually say to yourself, those stories you carry around, uh, those are absolutely killing you. Um, and they're not true. And the worst part is you wrote them. You're, you're responsible for that. And so once you get to the point where you decide, um, you know, hey, I'm in charge of this, I wrote this, then you have to ask yourself, why am I writing such terrible stories for myself? 
Why am I not writing the best, most inspiring, most exciting story to live out in my life? If I am in charge here, if I'm doing this, then why do I spend so much time writing bad stories and making myself suffer? Um, and, and so digging into the biology of how that worked, it, it became really clear that you actually can uh, pull these narratives out of yourself, get them in the light of day, rewrite them, and then do the work. It is work. You, know, to, you have to really put some effort in to re-implant the new story in your, in your subconscious and get yourself to the point where the new story is the only version of the story that's triggered moving forward. Um, and then you can really, like I say, upcycle any result you want. Um, and so that the process for me, it wasn't like I spit out that story yelling at my brother and then I rewrote it the next day. I did about two years of research um, and I actually did a lot of work on creating the right neurochemical environment in my brain for happiness along the way, because all of the research um, basically shows that if you get happy first, all of your other outcomes are better. So getting myself healthier and happier first and then rewriting the story created better outcomes in the story writing process. And so all of that is how I came to write a book about happiness and story and, and, uh, and got to the point where I could finally rewrite that. That's great. So you get yourself in this environment. So I know you have four steps to rewriting your story. Um, is that kind of part of those steps? Is it kind of just changing your environment? One of those? They're actually two different things. So I have a, a core four set of habits that actually create the proper neurochemical environment or the best neurochemical environment in the brain for happiness. Uh -huh. And then there's a four step story evolution process to rewrite any story that's holding you back. Uh, because if you have these stories that are, are really making you suffer, you're not going to get happy no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the core four habits are just like a, a daily consistent lifelong tune up to keep the right um, neurochemical environment for happiness in the brain. Cause really happiness at its fundamental level is better living through chemistry, but you know, not the chemistry in a shot glass or a pill bottle, uh, right. but, but neurochemistry, right. You know, get, getting enough dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin released into your brain. These are the chemicals that create happiness and, and, and happy feelings. And they're really reliable things you can do to, to create that. So, um, those are getting eight hours of sleep a night, um, which is really critical because, uh, you know, I think everybody just hears, yeah, you got to sleep to be happy, you know, and we just sort of add things to people's health to do list, but we don't tell them why. After one night of missed sleep, you sort of you disconnect your uh, medial prefrontal cortex from your amygdala. So your amygdala um, is your sort of angry, you know, had one too many shots at the bar buddy who's ready to punch somebody out. And your, your medial prefrontal <laughs> cortex is kind of your mild-mannered accountant buddy, Chip, who pats him on the leg and says, maybe we shouldn't punch that guy. Mm. And uh, after one night of missed sleep, Chip's not invited to the party anymore. There's a disconnect between the medial prefrontal cortex and the amygdala, and you see a 60% greater anger response to negative stimuli, which is incredible. So what that, that means is-, is incredible. Yeah. So you miss a night of sleep. You're grumpy with your husband. You're grumpy with your kids. You're grumpy with your wife. You're irritable, you know, at work, you're snapping at people. You're having, you know, if you're in a negotiation, you're going to, you're more likely to blow it and react in anger, you know? So, um, sleep is really critical to just keeping the natural checks and balances in the brain for happiness. Wow. So this is just fascinating to me because I love that you're bringing in the science part. Cause I'm kind of one of those people that I want to know what's the science behind it. So share that with me. So I love that you are sharing that. Um, so one of the things, um, so can you give us all four steps or can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? So if somebody wants to, so first of all, you have to recognize what your bad story is. Is that what you're saying first? Yeah. So if, if we jump to the story evolution process, oh, just real quick. So the other habits, and we can go into them deeper later, but get 30 to 45 minutes of cardiovascular exercise a day, do at least 10 minutes of mindfulness or meditation a day and do some kind of daily gratitude practice. And we, we could go through the science of all that, um, you know, later, but 
the story evolution process, you basically, you ask yourself those questions. Uh, what's my story about this? So if you have the way you identify a story you need to rewrite is if you have a problem in your life, an area of your life you're not happy with, you're not happy with your marriage, with your relationships, uh, with how you're dealing with your kids, with your career, uh, you know, with your with your weight, uh, you know, with um, any goals you're trying to set, whatever area of your life you've got a problem with, you you ask yourself, what's my story about this, right? And then you ask yourself, is it true? And even if it's true, does it serve me? Now, if you can get to the point where you admit to yourself it's not true and it doesn't matter if it is, and you can figure out whether it's serving you or not, which most likely it's not, if you're bothering to take this process, um, then you're you're ready to do the four steps. So that's kind of the pre-work. Uh-huh. The first, what's that? I said, I gotcha. That's perfect. This is great. I'm just like agreeing that, yeah, you, <laughs> there's kind of steps that you have to take along the way. So this is perfect. Thank you. Yeah, a big chunk of the book I spend delving into the science of you know truth and 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 how we perceive things through our five senses and why we have this sort of death grip on thinking what we see here and feel is true you know when it's really a subjective filtered truth. So if you can get yourself to the point where you can admit that your stories aren't true, um, which after having spent years you know coaching people about story, I can tell you people have a death grip on those stories. They believe that their version of this narrative is the one sole truth in the world. And if you can let go of that for just a minute, you can achieve anything you want. So that's really that, that most important first step. Um, and then, then when you're ready to do the work, you just write the story down. So this story is inside of you and you can't get rid of it or change it until you get it out. So you write it down. I recommend doing it physically, actually handwriting it out. There's, there's just a, sort of a, a better physical connection between the brain and the words when you're physically writing. Mm-hmm. Once you've written it down, you're going to say it out loud. And I, and I recommend, and people don't like doing this, but I recommend recording yourself with your phone the first time you say it out loud. Get in a room by yourself, set up the phone where it can see your face, get it zoomed in close up, and record yourself the first time you say that story out loud. You're going to be able to go back and watch that recording, and you will see the pain on your face. You'll see yourself cringe or twitch. You'll see your eyes turn down or your head turn down as you're telling the story. You'll see the parts of that story that are negatively affecting you. It's really amazing. Then you can record yourself at the end again telling the new version of your story, you can see the, the lightness and the freedom that comes from rewriting that thing. So uh, write it down, say it out loud and record yourself doing it so you can watch it. Once you've done that, you're just going to mark off the parts that aren't serving you. So in my story where I said, uh, you know, we failed mom, we, uh, we didn't fight for her, we just stood there and watched her die. I, I would just tick off, you know, we failed mom, we stood there and watched her die, we didn't fight for her. I took off those three parts of the story, those aren't serving me, those are parts I need to rewrite. Then you just do the iterative process of rewriting it one statement at a time. You don't try to just create one whole brand new story, right? It's the story evolution process. This story has to still be true for you. It has to still be based in true facts that happened. And it has to be a version of the story you've been telling yourself all along. So you can't throw out the old story. You have to take this iterative process and evolve it into a story that actually serves you. So you're going to take each of those statements, rewrite them one by one, reread the story. Okay, that feels a little better, right? Rewrite the next statement. Okay, that feels a little better. You just keep rewriting it and saying it out loud until it feels good, until it feels right. Once you've done that, then you get into the actual work of it. And I joke, you know, in the self-help industry, we're kind of often complicit in helping people rename and keep their problems, right? Four easy steps and you'll be fixed because uh, a whole lot of hard work. (laughs) Tell people a whole lot of hard work, uh, you know, doesn't sell books, right? Does it, it's not, it's not a winning book cover. But the truth of the matter is you've had this story forever. You've got neural pathways that bring this story up in an instant. As soon as you're triggered, you need to do the work to create that process for the new story. So you're going to get that story to where it feels good when you say it out loud. And then you're going to spend 30 to 60 days. And some, for some people, it might be 90 or 120 days 
doing the work of implanting that new story in your subconscious. And you're going to do that in a couple of specific ways. You're going to write it down where you can see it and say it at least twice a day. So at least, you know, right when you wake up in the morning, right before you go to bed, if you can put it, if it's a story that's appropriate for other people to see, and you can put it up somewhere else in the house where you're triggered to say it one or two more times during the day on the computer screen, on the bathroom mirror, whatever it is, um, you're going to just try to say this story at least twice a day, but the more you do it, the better. Uh, and, and you're going to keep doing that for at least 30 days. Um, but you're also going to keep doing that until that new story is the only one triggered. So in my case, when someone mentions my mom's death or I think about it, now that I fought for my mom in every way I could while respecting her right to die her way story is the only one that comes up. Mm-hmm. That old one doesn't come up unless I'm you know, doing this, doing a podcast, talking about it. Right. But if I get triggered someday and that old one rears its ugly head a little bit, then I go back and I start telling myself that story twice a day. And I go back and I redo the work to beat that back down and create the pathway to the new story. And, and the other most powerful way you do this is by making it a part of your lived oral tradition. So you're going to go, you're going to pick a trusted friend or a few trusted friends that you feel safe, you know, having this conversation with, take them out for dinner or drinks. We're almost at the point where we can do those sorts of things again. And, uh, yeah. And you take them out and you tell them, hey, man, I realized I had this bad story that was making me suffer. Here's my new story. And you share that new story out loud and you do it over and over and over again. By sharing it out loud with people in your community, with people that you trust and and that believe in you, and by making it part of that lived oral tradition, you will do, uh, you'll speed up, you'll accelerate the work of creating those new neural pathways so that that story is the only one triggered. So that in a nutshell, there's a lot of science behind it. There's a lot of, you know, additional steps and work that I go through in depth in the book, but, but in a nutshell, you could sit down right now, listen to this podcast and start working instantly on rewriting a bad story. Right. That's making you Use that today. to rewrite it. Okay. Well, that leads me to share the, your book. What is your book that, I mean, I kind of said it in your intro, but share with us again, your book and how somebody can actually find this and be able to read more about that. Yeah, the, the book's called uh, Change Your Story, Change Your Life uh, by Rich Curtis. There are a couple other books by that name on Amazon. So uh, you can find it on Amazon in all three formats. Just search Change Your Story, Change Your Life, Rich Curtis. It's the yellow and blue one. Um, you can get it in audiobook read by me, uh, ebook or uh, paperback, whatever you like. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick read and, you know, and it, it's, it's done in a conversational tone, but it, it has a lot of science behind it. None of it's hooey wooey. None of it's just my own ideas that I pulled out of the air. That's one of the things that was important to me is once I actually did this and I rewrote the story and and felt what a change it made in my life, how dramatic it was. And I started grabbing every other bad story in my life and rewriting those and helping my kids do the same. Uh, I was hooked on this, but I was like, you know, is this just me? You know, and that's, that's where the two years of research, neuroscience and happiness research came in to make sure this would be, you know, that it's rooted in behavioral psychology, that it would be universal and work for people is. So um, if you're the kind of person who's sort of done with the hooey wooey stuff, and, and you want sort of a science backed book, that'll really give you some real processes to help. This is, this is it. So it's, it's Rich Curtis, Change Your Story, Change Your Life um, on Amazon. And uh, yeah, hope you check it out. Great. Well, Rich, we sure appreciate you coming and sharing your amazing story. Now, if somebody were to want to find out more about you or work with you or ask you some questions, um, I I heard that you are willing to do a free one-hour consultation for anyone that calls. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to uh, richcurtis.com. That's R-I-C-H-C-U-R-T-I-S.com. At the top of the page, you'll see a little bright green banner that uh, says book a free coaching consultation. So um, 
you know, that it's important in this work that there's a connection between the coach and the client and that it's a good fit. So I offer a, a free one hour session um, so that we can help you identify, you know, the story that's holding you back that you want to work on, get you on the path to feeling better and working on that story and see if we're a good fit, if I'm the right person to, to help you on your journey. Um, and so, yeah, that's available to anybody. Just click on that, fill out the form and, uh, and we'll set it up. Wow. That's amazing. So thank you for offering that for my list all the listeners that are listening today. So I appreciate that. And Rick, this has been just so delightful to hear your story, hear how you've switched it, changed it, and just totally changed your whole life from depressed to not feeling good to actually feeling great. So I have to ask you, I always ask my guests, what is the one thing? And I'm guessing I know what it is, but I I still have to ask, it's so a one thing that you can say if someone was going through the same situation, what could they do to that you did that made the biggest shift for you? Yeah, I always tell people that the quality of your life is directly proportional to the questions you ask and the stories you tell yourself. So the most important questions to ask yourself are what's my story about this? Is it true? And is it serving me? If you ask yourself those three questions, you'll get to the bottom of fixing just about any issue in, in your life. Um, and, and those questions will really guide the way because it allows you to be curious about yourself instead of, you know, judging, you know, say you have bad relationship after bad relationship, you can judge yourself, you know, I've just got a bad picker, I'm picking the wrong people. You know, instead of that judgment, you return to a place of curiosity. What's my story about this? What's causing this? Is that really true? And so if you can be curious about yourself rather than judgmental, and you can use questions to guide the way, um, you're, you're going to have a much um, quicker and cleaner and easier path to upcycling your results in life. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Rick, uh, Rich, we really appreciate you being on the show today and sharing all of that. I know there's going to be some listeners that are going to definitely be wanting to find you. So we'll make sure that we have all of the uh, links in the show notes for them so that they can easily access you and be able to find your book and all of those things as well. So uh, Rich, thank you again for being on the show and, and sharing your wonderful message with, uh, with everyone today. Thanks so much for having me, Donna. Really appreciate it. It was a great talk. Perfect. Thank you. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now, and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show, thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you.